Maverick News presents The Rick Walker Show Defrag your mind Good evening, everyone. I'm Rick Walker. Welcome back to the Maverick News Channel. Hello, Maverick family. Hello, new viewers. Hello, everyone. Wherever you may be on this big blue ball, and what a big blue ball it is, it's a world that uh, is, uh, is in pretty dark times. And tonight, I would say the gloves are starting to come off in this third world war that we are involved in that is unlike any world war we've experienced before, unlike any war we have experienced before. The United States essentially going to war with Yemen. That's where we're at tonight. Escalation in the Middle East. All this because Yemen and the Houthis have come to support Hamas. And really, I would say it's just another incident further exposing, or maybe not exposing, but defining the alliances that are beginning to form. Or it's defining the alliances that have been in place for quite some time, but are now just becoming more apparent to the general public. We'll explain as the program moves on. Uh, also, we will talk about that national anthem it was for the first time performed in Punjabi at a Winnipeg Jets NHL hockey game. Uh, a lot of mixed feelings about that. And when we go to the phones later tonight, we'll have an opportunity to weigh in on that conversation. I'm going to present a bunch of stuff related to that that I hope will provoke thought. Also, um, what else can I tell you? We've got this uh, Zara boycott retail chain, the boycott there, and a protest in Toronto escalated to the point where a pro-Palestinian protester, or maybe an anti-Israeli, anti-Jew protester, was making very clear threats to someone. In this video that we will show you tonight, it appears that he may have been threatening a police officer, but police say, no, it wasn't really them. It was someone else. Nevertheless, this video for me was extremely alarming. It... Uh, I hope it's a bit of a wake-up call for all of you tonight as well. We're in a very, very dangerous place on this. And I'm just checking the date because I 
tend to lose track of time these days, but it is December 18th, 2023. Don't go anywhere. We've got a heck of a show lined up for you tonight. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms. Credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow. Maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. So let's start with the situation in the Middle East, Yemen, the Houthis. I'm pretty sure that the vast majority of people here in North America are not familiar with what is happening over there. Essentially in Yemen, you have a civil war. It goes back many years. And the U.S. involvement in this current situation really goes all the way back to the attack on the USS Cole. And the United States has been pretty invested in Yemen because of ongoing activities by Al-Qaeda in some sections of Yemen as part of this civil war. The government that was in place was more pro-US and then was essentially kicked out of the country by the Houthis and rebel forces that essentially control much or most of the country today. But those forces are anti-American. They are backed by Iran. And I would say by extension, they have support from those Axis countries, China, Iran, Russia. That's where the support for the Houthis comes from. And by extension, Hamas, supporting Palestine. This is why I say the alliances are becoming more clearly defined as time goes on. And this this conflict in the Middle East evolves. Keep in mind that just about everything that you are being told, all the information coming to you from all sides at this point is very propagandistic. So take everything that you are being told with a grain of salt on any side because there's a lot of spin going on. 
those who are supporting Yemen and Hamas, they want to portray those forces as victims. And they will tell you that the United States is this gigantic superpower that is going up against an impoverished country with nothing to defend itself with and that, that, that they are in dire straits. Largely that is true because there is an economic crisis in Yemen, a humanitarian crisis in Yemen. I think somewhere around 400,000 people have died in Yemen as a result of the, the conflict there so far, the current civil war, that is. The propagandists on both sides want to blame each side. The Those who are blaming the United States want you to believe that all the blame should be affixed to the United States. The reality is, though, there are terrorist groups operating within Yemen. They do present uh, a security threat to Western allies in the Middle East, including Saudi Arabia. They are not the, the forces, the armed forces, the, the rebel government there, which has communist backing, Iranian backing, I would say fascistic backing from some of these Axis countries. They are not that impoverished. They have money. They have weapons. Recent use of sustain, recent sustained use of drones against targets by the Yemenese forces, forces, the Houthis, suggest, well, give clear evidence of outside support coming from Iran, Iranian-made drones. And they're using these drones now in the Red Sea. The Yemen forces are trained by Iran, which has expertise and experience, like real experience attacking even um, or confronting U.S. warships in the Middle East. And that's what they're doing right now in the Red Sea. It's amazing how much of an impact this is having. The, uh, the commercial shipping coming out of there, you have to understand, is all about oil. Mostly about oil. This will affect, is affecting the world oil supply. So if this continues, expect to see higher prices at the pump. Expect to see higher prices on your home heating bills. This is a severe, a major disruptive potential for the world economy because of Yemen and their activities in the Red Sea, attacking commercial shipping. Now, they are saying that only ships that are destined for Israeli ports are being confronted or attacked. But that does not actually appear to be the case. Some of the ships being attacked with these drones um, may be attacked by, by mistake, but not every single ship um, has affiliations with Israel uh, that has been attacked so far. 
in the United States as well. They they are they have very clear economic interests and uh, and geopolitical interests here in in the Middle East, and uh, they're 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 working to keep the shipping lanes open. But a lot of but we're already seeing now some major companies, including British Petroleum, saying they are going to suspend shipments through that area of the Red Sea because it is becoming too dangerous. So this is potentially destabilizing for the entire world. That's how serious this situation is. The Axis powers know it. Russia knows it. China knows it. Iran knows it. Yemen really knows it. And this is a way for them to really stick it to the U.S. of A. In a way that could become a public relations disaster again for the West, for NATO, for the United States, if they go in too hard against Yemen. Right now, the United States has been taking a very, very measured approach as these ships have been attacked. Shooting down drones that have been launched to attack these other ships. That's the reality of the situation over there in the Middle East. The, the real tragedy is so many people in Yemen are suffering. A lot of the death that has occurred in Yemen has occurred because of starvation. Because supply chains are not there. The economy is in shambles. The rebel forces clearly are putting their political interests ahead of the interests of the people in Yemen. The United States has been backing up or trying to back up the deposed government, which largely has been trying to rule the country in exile, which is not effective. But the, the former government is the government that internationally is recognized as the legitimate ruling government of Yemen. It will depend on which nation state you speak to, who they end up, rec who are they recognize at this point. But it's a bit messy. Peace talks have not been, have largely been not successful over the years. The United States has made many efforts to bring peace through negotiations to Yemen, but it has not really resulted in any fruitful progress. United States under heavy criticism because so many air assaults, so many air strikes have been launched over the last number of years by the United States into Yemen, trying to target Al-Qaeda forces in the Arab Peninsula, which is their stronghold. That's been their main target. And a lot of this, well, this was really all, as I say, the, the, the current involvement of the United States dates really in a meaningful way back to that attack years ago on the USS Kulu, that, that terrorist attack on the USS Kulu. And now it potentially could be the, 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 the flashpoint for major escalation, global escalation in this war. It is, I think, fair to say that that October 7th 
attack by Hamas on Israel was strategic, incredibly effective, and was also a major flashpoint. That was an incident that really has thrust us into a new chapter in this global war, this third world war, this unconventional war, a war being waged with information and in, and in, in a kinetic way through proxy wars in strategic locations, Ukraine, Palestine, Israel, Red Sea, and you're seeing conflict also also in the South China Sea, friction there that also could easily escalate into something completely unmanageable for the West. We are looking at a situation here tonight where we could have NATO forces, the United States, trying to fight a, a, a war on three fronts, maybe more. Because the situation in Panama remains unstable. Everything down in that region with Venezuela and all the surrounding countries, that's also very unstable. You could have a forefront war, a true world war, if things get any further out of hand. So today, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin held a joint news conference and um, said that there's his support for Israel, the United States support for Israel is rock solid and also outlined new, the United States new plan for action in the Red Sea against the Houthi rebels who are essentially in control of Yemen. Here's a statement from Lloyd Austin, which we have up, and we'll read that for you tonight. This is a significant development, and this is fresh. Hot off the press, statement from Secretary of Defense Lloyd J. Austin III on ensuring freedom of navigation in the Red Sea. And here is what he says tonight. The recent escalation and reckless Houthi attacks originating from, originating from Yemen threatens the free flow of commerce, endangers innocent mariners, and violates international law. The Red Sea is a critical waterway that has been essential to freedom of navigation and a major commercial corridor that facilitates international trade. Countries that seek to uphold the foundational principle of freedom of navigation must come together to tackle the challenge posed by this non-state actor launching ballistic missiles and uncrewed aerial vehicles, UAVs, at merchant vessels from many nations lawfully transiting international waters. This is an international challenge that demands collective action. Therefore, today I am announcing the establishment of Operation Prosperity Guardian, an important new multinational security initiative under the umbrella of the Combined Maritime Forces and the leadership of its Task Force 153, which focuses on security in the Red Sea. 
Operation Prosperity Guardian is bringing together multiple countries to include the United Kingdom, Bahrain, Canada, France, Italy, Netherlands, Norway, Seychelles, and Spain to jointly address security challenges in the Southern Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden with the goal of ensuring freedom of navigation for all countries and bolstering regional security and prosperity. So that's the written release. Now we have this joint news conference between Austin and Israeli Defense Minister Yoav Gallant in Tel Aviv. So let's go to that. And you can get it straight from the mouth of the horses themselves tonight. Right here on the Maverick News Channel. Off we go to Tel Aviv. ...of Hamas and the return of the hostages home with no exception. Our common enemies around the world are watching and they know that Israel victory is the victory of the free world led by the United States of America. In our, in our war against Hamas, the Hamas terrorist organization is a war, not, it's not a war against the people of Gaza. We are fighting a brutal enemy that hides behind civilians. Billions of dollars have been invested in Gaza. Money that should have gone to civilian infrastructure and instead was used to build a network of tunnels hundreds of kilometers long, equipped by military facilities. Today, IDF troops are operating in Hamas hotspots across Gaza. In northern Gaza, our troops have eliminated thousands of terrorists, destroyed military infrastructure, and dis dismantled most of the battalions operating in the area. In South Gaza, in Khan Yunis, we are precise and focused on eliminate Hamas leadership and military infrastructure. Detecting and engaging Hamas leadership and the chain of command span over the phases of this war and will continue until we fully achieve our goals. Secretary Austin, we both know the, the complexities of war. We both fought brutal terrorist organization. We know that it takes time. Unlike our enemies, we are defending our values and we operate according to international law. The IDF is operating to minimize the harm to civilian population. We are also working with international partners to facilitate the delivery of humanitarian aid. Yet, anytime we discuss humanitarian issues, we must remember the 129 hostages will held in Gaza. This is the most humanitarian issue. 
on October 8th, a day after Hamas attack, Hezbollah opened fire unprovoked. The threats of rockets, missiles, and drones is unacceptable. Over 80,000 80, citizens have been in displaced, living as refugees in their own country. We are determined to create a new reality, restoring security in the area, based on UN Resolution 1701, pushing back Hezbollah. We will bring back the residents of the North to their homes on the border after full security will be restored. We prefer to do so via understanding, ensuring that the border region is clear of terrorists and does not allow direct threats of our citizens. If such a process will not be implemented diplomatically, we will not hesitate to act. Today, we also discuss the growing global threat posed by the Houthis terrorist organization. Their action threaten international freedom of navigation and their reckless behavior, firing ballistic missiles, cruise missiles, and drones against Israel can drag the region into war. The State of Israel values U.S. leadership, and we will support international efforts. At the same time, we maintain the right to take all the actions necessary to defend our sovereignty and our citizens. Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Houthis are funded, supported, and trained by one source of evil, Iran. And unfortunately, this is only their secondary effort. Iran's major effort is acquiring military nuclear capabilities, and this continue even now. We are aware of their actions, and we, we, we are ready to defend ourselves. We must take a stand. The world is watching us now. This includes our enemies, Hamas, Hezbollah, and Iran. The image they see today is powerful as we stand here united. We are resilient and determined, and we will win on every front. Thank you one, once again, Mr. Secretary. Thank you for coming. And thank you for your support and your friendship. Thank you very much. Well, good afternoon, everybody. You have, we've been talking almost daily by phone. So it's good to see you once again in person. And it's good to be back in Israel, even in these difficult days, especially in these difficult days. This is my fourth visit to Israel as Secretary of Defense and my second time since October 7th. And I know that Israel has been profoundly changed from where you were on October 6th. So I'm here with a clear message. America's support for Israel's security is unshakable. And Israel is not alone. At a time of mourning, 
a real friend shows up. And I know how terrible these days have been for the Israeli people. And I know that October 7th touched everyone in the small democracy. So let me again extend my deepest condolences to Minister Gadi Eisenkot, who has been sitting shiva for his 25-year-old son and mourning his nephew after they both fell in Gaza. On October 7th, Hamas committed one of the worst atrocities in the history of modern terrorism. As President Biden said, it was an act of sheer evil. Innocent young people at a concert were massacred. Parents were shot in front of their children. Women were sexually assaulted. Toddlers and Holocaust survivors were taken hostage. And for Hamas, that was just the beginning. Hamas has clearly and loudly spelled out its vision of the future. And it is to repeat October 7th over and over and over again. No country should tolerate such a danger. And Israel has every right to defend itself against a fanatical terrorist group whose stated purpose is to murder Jews and eradicate the Jewish state. Hamas is still holding hostages, including American citizens. Hamas embeds itself and hides itself behind innocent Palestinian civilians. Hamas does not speak for the Palestinian people. And Hamas is determined to doom both Israelis and Palestinians to an unending cycle of suffering and strife. So make no mistake, Hamas should never again be able to project terror from Gaza into the sovereign state of Israel. And we will continue to work together for a safer, more secure future for Israel and a brighter future for the Palestinians. The United States will keep pushing relentlessly for the safe return of hostages in Gaza. And we will continue to help Israel in its efforts to bring them all home. Thanks to the personal leadership of President Biden, we helped to broker a deal that got out more than 100 hostages. But this remains a top priority for the United States from President Biden on down. And we will continue to do everything that we can to bring home every man, every woman, and every child seized by Hamas. Now, the United States has been clear and consistent since Hamas started this war on October 7th. Democracies are stronger and more secure when we uphold the law of war. And I've, as I've said, protecting Palestinian civilians in Gaza is both a moral duty and a strategic imperative. So we will continue to stand up for Israel's bedrock right to defend itself. And we will also continue to urge the protection of civilians during conflict and to increase the flow of humanitarian aid into Gaza. That's important as Israel fights to dismantle the Hamas ter uh, terrorist infrastructure in Gaza. And it will also be crucial for our work 
with our allies and partners after the fighting stops. Now, we're working to ensure that this conflict does not escalate beyond Gaza. But as we are driving to stabilize the region, Iran is raising tensions by continuing to support terrorist groups and militias. Attacks by these Iranian proxies threaten the region's citizens and risk a broader conflict. Of course, the United States does not seek war, and we urgently call on Iran to take steps to de-escalate. Now, in my meetings today, I also discussed the need to take urgent action to stabilize the West Bank. Attacks by extremist settlers against the Palestinians in the West Bank must stop. And those committing the violence must be held accountable. Now, we know that the past 72 days have been some of the most painful days in Israel's history. But it would compound this tragedy if all that was waiting for the Israeli people and your Palestinian neighbors at the end of this awful war was more insecurity, fury, and despair. As I've said, Israelis and Palestinians have both paid too bitter a price to just go back to October 6th. So I discussed pathways today toward a future for Gaza after Hamas based upon the clear principles laid down last month by my friend, Secretary Blinken. Israelis and Palestinians both deserve a horizon of hope. So the United States continues to believe, as we have under administrations of both parties, that it is in the interest of both Israelis and Palestinians to move forward toward two states, living side by side in mutual security. Now, we know how hard that is, especially after October 7th. But ongoing instability and insecurity only play into the hands of Hamas. So we must think together about what lies beyond this terrible season of terror and war. And as we do, the United States will remain deeply committed to the security and self-defense of the state of Israel. As John F. Kennedy said in 1960, America's friendship with Israel is a national commitment. That was true then, and it's even truer now. The United States will remain Israel's closest friend in the world. As I've said repeatedly, our support for Israel's security remains unshakable, and it always will. Thank you very much, and we'll be happy to take your questions. We'll stick with this. This uh, is important. All right, we'll start now with um, Thank you. Secretary Austin, welcome to Israel. Um, it's not a secret that there is a gap between Israel and the U.S., so have you set any sort of either timetable or deadline to the current phase of Israel ground war in Gaza and have you heard any firm assessment from the IDF where the current phase stand? And if I may, with regard to the North, um, Israel says, and, and the Minister Gallant has just repeated, that it will attack Lebanon if there won't be an acceptable solution that will include the Hezbollah withdrawal north to the Litani River. 
Jake Sullivan was here last week and he was quite confident that uh, such a solution can be achieved. Uh, what is the US, the U.S. position if Israel attack and will you order the U.S. Army to strike and even destroy Hezbollah and Iranian target if required? And uh, Minister Gallant, um, it took the IDF 70 days to reach the tunnel that was uh, revealed yesterday. How long do you think it, it takes to totally dismantle the threat of the tunnel in Gaza? And if I may ask you, uh, Secretary, Secretary Austin was speaking about uh, the day after. The American keeps asking Israel how it sees the day after. So what do you tell them? Who will rule, will rule Gaza? And will uh, the IDF be in Gaza throughout uh, the entire next year? Thank you very much. Which one of those 12 questions do you want me to ask? I have more. <laughs> Regarding the timeline, this is Israel's operation. And I'm not here to dictate timelines or terms. Our support uh, to Israel's right to defend itself is ironclad, as you've heard me say a number of times, and that's not going to change. It's critical, as I said earlier, that Hamas uh, not be able to threaten Israel uh, from Gaza or even threaten Gaza uh, anymore. You know, that's an interest that we all share. It's a common interest with all of us. And so today we had great discussions about the status of the campaign, about goals and objectives, and about uh, how to reduce uh, harm to civilians uh, in the battle space uh, and to and the need to ensure uh, a sustained flow of humanitarian assistance uh, into Gaza. You know, we can offer some insight based upon our own experience in fighting terrorist groups, and certainly uh, that enabled us to have great, uh, great discussions. And we also have some great thoughts about um, how to transition from high-intensity operations to a lower-intensity and more surgical operations. So we had uh, great discussions on all of those, uh, those issues. On Lebanon, uh, we've been clear that uh, we don't want to see this conflict widen into a, a, a uh, larger war or a regional war. And, uh, and we call upon uh, Hezbollah uh, to make sure that uh, they don't do things that would provoke a wider conflict. Yes, as to the first uh, first question, let me be more precise. It took us 70 days before we exposed this tunnel to the public. It was discovered longer period before that, after a month or so. But we had a lot of uh, uh, a lot of operations to be done inside inside the tunnel before we exposed it. Uh, the war will take time, and uh, I can assure only one issue, that uh, eventually we will reach our goals. Uh, first of all, to destroy Hamas. Second, to rescue the hostages. Both of them are very important equally. Uh, this is a war of uh, national determination and national resilience. And uh, we will prevail because we are fighting for the right values and uh, for our survival in this region. 
As to the second question, uh, we understand how important is the uh, cooperation, uh, the international uh, uh, support uh, to establish something, something different in Gaza. This is the reason we conduct this uh, this uh, uh, talks today, together with uh, Secretary Austin and uh, General Brown and Mr. Satterfield and others, regarding the issues that we have to uh, to conduct in uh, in Gaza. Uh, we know that Hamas will not control Gaza. We know that we will have the freedom to eliminate any kind of threat in the future. And uh, there will be no uh, uh, serious military threats against Israel from Gaza. Second, Israel will not control Gaza in, in any civilian way. We will conduct any, any needed uh, uh, operational and military effort in order to secure our future. And we are building the routes for uh, non-hostile partners in, in the other side. Thank you, Tarakov. We can also please stick to one question each, please. Thank you. Thank you. Minister Gallant, back to Lebanon. Um, are you currently planning for ground operation in the north to, as you said, fully secure that area from Hezbollah. Secretary Austin, if that ground operation is launched, just to um, repeat my colleague's question, what role would U.S. forces have in uh, such case? And then is it too dangerous right now, Minister Gallant, to open a second front in the north when you have troops committed in the south in Gaza? And my final one for Secretary Austin, um, Another commercial vessel today was attacked in the Red Sea, and U.S. warships continue to intercept ballistic missiles and drones that are fired from Houthi-controlled Yemen. Why hasn't the U.S. struck back or conducted a counterstrike like it has against similar Iranian-backed militants in Iraq and Syria? Uh, I... Uh... I would like to reiterate what I said. I said that diplomacy is the preferred way. We, uh, we are not looking for wars, but we have 70,000 Israeli refugees and uh, Hezbollah is shooting us every day since October 8, a day after uh, Hamas launched the war against Israel. Therefore, in one hand, we are patient and uh, we are looking for a uh, diplomacy solution that will uh, make sure that Hezbollah is not threatened Israeli uh, uh, civilians on the northern communities directly. On the other hand, we are preparing ourselves to any, any situation that is needed. And uh, if something like that happened, uh, we will know what to do and we will prevail. We, we are not looking for anything similar to that. And we hope that Hezbollah will understand that it's time to stop. Uh, thanks, Sarah. Uh, regarding the Houthis, um, these attacks are reckless, dangerous, and they violate international law. 
And so we're taking action to uh, build an international coalition to address this threat. And I would remind you that this is not just a U.S. issue. Uh, this, is, this is an international problem, and it deserves an international uh, response. Uh, and that's why uh, I'm convening a meeting tomorrow, uh, a ministerial meeting with fellow ministers in the region and beyond uh, to, uh, to address this threat. Uh, we're, uh, uh, that'll be a virtual meeting, and I look forward to that discussion. And more important, I look forward to uh, working together uh, with uh, uh, members of that, uh, of that uh, group uh, to address the threat in a meaningful way in the future. And we'll have more details on this soon, but uh, we're going to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to uh, ensure uh, freedom of navigation uh, in the area. Uh, the strait is uh, straits are pretty pretty important, as we know, as you know, a large uh, amount of commerce flows through there. International commerce flows through there uh, on a daily basis. Yeah, now Bob. Yonabad from the Jerusalem Post. Good to see you again, uh, Mr. Secretary. There's been a lot of discussion about getting Israel's intent to reduce civilian casualties to match up with the results. General Petraeus famously said that sometimes the U.S. needs to take hits on force protection to win over hearts and minds. Legitimacy, you're probably familiar that just recently about 10 Israeli soldiers died in one ambush. And a lot of people in Israel were saying if the Israeli Defense Forces had just bombed the area, they wouldn't have died. Is, is this the kind of thing, you know, war doesn't have perfect solutions, that sometimes the United States may think that Israel may need to take more hits to force protection instead of being as aggressive with um, its air force and artillery? Um, Minister Gallant, good to see you. Um, the United States, in its most respectful way possible, is trying to push Israel on certain timelines, on certain things about uh, the day after. Um, is it maybe time that that uh, yourself and the government need to tell Israel that even though we've had tremendous successes in the field, we may not actually control all of Gaza at the end of January. We may not get all of the hostages back at the end of January. Some of these things may continue in the three to nine months afterwards, the what they call Shlav Gimel, the third stage. So for the first part of the question in terms of um, the nature of the strikes, uh, in, in the amount of collateral damage. I think, uh, let me begin by saying the protection of our troops is important to all of us. Uh, Minister Gallant, me, all of us. Uh, and, uh, and that is foremost. Um, but you know, what we see happening is a combination of two things. The first thing is the complexity of, of this battle space, three-dimensional battle space, uh, very closed, uh, closed spaces, uh, dense population of people, uh, and uh, and so that's that makes it very, very difficult uh, to uh, to conduct any uh, military operation. Above and beyond that, we see that uh, Hamas routinely uh, uh, uses civilians as, as shields. Uh, beyond that, they place their headquarters and and their logistical sites. Uh, near uh, protected sites, uh, hospitals, uh, mosques, churches, uh, you name it. And so that adds to the, to the complexity. And as you've, as you've heard uh, Jake Sullivan say, it's a, it provides an additional burden for, uh, for the, uh, 
the forces that are prosecuting this fight. Uh, it requires a very professional force, and that force has to learn each uh, each step of the way. And we've seen that. And, and Minister Gallant and I had a great conversation today about some of the things that they've learned and some of the, the techniques that they're that they're uh, uh, you know changing and as as they uh, conduct operations in the south. So all of us learn. And and uh, and again, they were a very professional force going into this, but this is a an incredible uh, complex battle space. And taking lessons learned from the north, they've they've applied some of those lessons uh, in the south, and uh, and again, uh, I'm sure that that'll continue to happen. Well, first of all, the discussions are, uh, are transparent and frank, and uh, on the personal level, I have a lot to learn from General Austin, so I'm learning, also, and uh, he always give me good advices, therefore. We share everything and uh, we consult. Uh, second, uh, on the on the on the battlefield, we have uh, uh, a very meaningful uh, uh, and successful uh, achievement. Uh, we uh, we detect uh, thousands of terrorists, including uh, uh, senior commanders, but not the leadership. The Eliminate the Hamas leadership is uh, an ongoing uh, goal that uh, will be achieved, hopefully soon, but we, it will be achieved. It's part of the goals of the war. And uh, we will continue to operate in different levels of intensity according to the situation in the, in the region. And uh, I, I can tell you that uh, uh, soon, we will be able to, to distinguish between different areas in, in Gaza. In every area uh, where we achieve our mission, we will be able to uh, transition gradually uh, to the next phase and start working uh, on bringing back local population. That means that it can be achieved maybe sooner in the north rather than in the south. So we are dealing with all the different components, and we will decide in the next uh, in the next future, the early future. No, I'm 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 not I'm not uh, defining any 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 region, and uh, this is an ongoing discussion. But I give you uh, an idea about what we are discussing in the Israeli uh, military establishment and together with the Americans. Moses Gaines. Thank you, Moshe Gaines with uh, NBC News. Uh, Minister Gallant, what are the benchmarks for moving to the next phase of this war? Does that mean that you have to take out top Hamas leadership to be able to move on? And what specifically is keeping Israel from moving okay. to more precise and targeted operations against Hamas? And then Secretary Austin, based on your experience in Iraq and what you discussed today, what metrics should Israel be using? To know All right, so I think we've... Uh... Watched enough of that. We're just about out anyway. And I can I can just say this. Peace has to be a two-way street. Violence begets violence. Yemen is a humanitarian disaster. But to heap all the blame on the United States, I think is unfair. And I'm, you know, I, 
I'm just not buying into the narrative that I'm hearing from some quarters tonight. Doing exactly that, blaming, just pointing the finger again at the USA. It's not the United States that's blocking the ships in the Red Sea or attacking the ships. It's Yemen. People are starving to death in Yemen. But the forces, the Houthi, that control the bulk of that country, have chosen to launch drones at ships in the Red Sea instead of focusing on getting food and aid to their own people. I'm trying to stay as neutral as I can sitting in this chair, but I'm really getting tired of the BS. It's, it's just really wearing thin. The propaganda is just too much. I'm just not buying the poor Yemenis impoverished country under attack by the United States. Oh, the United States is going to war with Yemen, a country that has no way to defend itself against the giant superpower. That's not what's happening here. What the Houthi have been doing is provocative. They are sticking a finger in the eye of Godzilla. The United States. They're, and they're doing it with their middle finger. And they're doing it on behalf of nation states that have a big axe to grind with the capitalists. This is dangerous stuff. They're trying to cut off the world oil supply. And they're doing it by trying to set up a proxy war in Yemen that they're going to blame on the United States if the, if the retaliatory action is on any kind of scale so that it becomes another propagandistic PR nightmare for the West where they'll portray the poor Yemenis who are victims in this, the citizens already, they'll portray them again as being victims of the giant imperialist attacker, the United States, the evil Satan. This is well choreographed and very finessed. But I'm not buying it anymore. Sorry, not sorry. Nobody made the Houthi launch those drones except themselves. It was a, a choice to attack the United States by attacking commercial shipping in international waters in the Red Sea. They're trying to cut off the world oil supply to disrupt the Western economies and further provoke the United States to suck us in to a war 
another war on another front in the Middle East. Further escalation. This is on them. Stop attacking the ships. Let the commerce flow, which is good for everyone. The whole world benefits when people are trading and working and producing and feeding each other. The world suffers when you go to war. I'm just not buying it anymore, folks. So when you're hearing people spin up this narrative, which I know is coming, it's already started. Oh, the United States is attacking this poor little country in the middle of the Middle East, and they're just impoverished. They have no way. Yes, they do have ways to defend themselves. In fact, they're going on the offense. They have been on the offense. They've been on the offense for a long time. They're on the offense, not just there, but around the world. That being, well, since 2000, I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember the attack on the USS Cole? Here, take a look. This was the damage done on the USS Cole. Now, I mean, you can say that the United States maybe should keep our nose out of these international affairs, but the reality is we are in a global economy. And we have interests in the in, in the Middle East, have for a long time. That's just the geopolitical reality of things. Has been for a long time. It was that attack that really pulled the United States into Yemen. I don't want to see any more escalation. And uh, make no mistake. Both sides have choices here. The United States could just walk away. But if they do that, the economy is completely destabilized. You think things are bad now? Cut off the oil. Let them cut off the oil and see what happens over here. And then see what they do over in the Middle East and in other countries. The United States, NATO, Western countries, we start to fold up. Is that what you want? Is that what's in the best interests of the world? Think this through. Peace could be, is a choice on both sides, sort of. What I'm saying is, no, they didn't have to attack those ships. They don't have to attack them now. They're doing it to provoke escalation. Do we want escalation? No, I don't think that helps anyone. Unless your only concern is power. Assert more power. Gain power. Kick the United States and Israel out of the Middle East. Take it over. So that's what's happening. That's, that's where it is. And it's not just there. It's happening even here on the domestic front. You're seeing it in the streets. Now, I, my sympathies lie with the civilians on all sides, but I also see the struggle politically. And that political struggle, that political war is being waged on the streets right here in North America, in the United States, in Canada. Right now, we're seeing 
protests outside these Zara stores. That's just the latest manifestation of all this. And there was this at the Toronto Eaton Center where things got out of hand almost with an aggressive aggressive to say the least um well just straight up threats death threat from a pro-palestinian or anti-israeli protester at this protest at a, at a zara store which we'll explain in a moment but just watch what happens here look at the disrespect and the total disregard for civility and the anger look at the anger on display here
police are investigating. So they say. Police say they're Objective there was to de-escalate. I understand. Keep the peace. Maintain the peace. This is uh, a protest focused on Zara. Because of an ad campaign that the company launched where they say that... Um, But they say that images uh, with mannequins wrapped in white cloth looked like looked like bodies in Gaza. That's what they're upset about. The company says the campaign was developed long before the war broke out and has nothing to do with that. I should also point out that Zara is um, a corporate entity that is owned by, it's like it's owned by a corporation that owns a bunch of different retail outlets. It isn't just Zara. It's just one of a bunch of different stores that the company owns. But it has been targeted by these protesters. And is being used as a, a symbol of Zionistic oppression, I guess. Wow. So I'll show you some images of the uh, the ad campaign. Uh, in fact, here I've got a little report for you. And hopefully this helps explain what uh, what that is about. Here we go. Israeli assembled scenes of destruction in Gaza. The ad showed photographs of a model with a mannequin wrapped in a body bag slung over her shoulder, surrounded by a partially destroyed set. The campaign caused an uproar as many were offended by it, prompting Zara to remove the ads last week. Zara then issued an apology, saying the campaign was created with the sole purpose of showcasing craft-made garments in an artistic context. The retail giant added that the campaign was conceived in July and photographed in September. Zara went on to say that some customers were offended by the images and it regrets that misunderstanding. Although they released that statement last week, over the weekend, protests erupted in Toronto shopping malls and across the province and beyond at Zara locations, forcing some stores to close shutters to protect its staff. And the Boycott Zara hashtag has gained momentum on TikTok, amassing over 74 million views so far. For more on this story, head to nowtoronto.com. So as I say, police say, Toronto police say they are investigating My prediction, nothing will happen. I seriously, seriously doubt it. Here's uh, more footage 
of uh, the protest. Different angle. Here we go. while all that's going on, Canada has joined the EU, Britain, in uh, calling out what Israel's approach has been in Gaza um, as going too far, the Canadian government says Israel needs to do more to stop what it is now also calling extremist settler violence against Palestinians in the West Bank. And this is language now being used by 14 different countries. I would say this is a reaction to Hamas winning the PR war. I don't think that the Trudeau government has any real moral convictions here. They're, they've, they've, they've spit on their finger and stuck it up into the air to see which way the political winds are blowing, and they can see that Israel is losing the PR war, so they are shifting, pivoting to put more support behind Palestine. They also can see that there's with the amount of immigration they've allowed, the, uh, the, the, the demographics in terms of their party support has shifted. And they are moving their political orientation more toward the uh, Islamic side for political reasons, which I think are pretty obvious and apparent, especially with these developments. They're finding it increasingly difficult to play both sides off without the other side realizing that that's what they're doing. It's out in the open too much now, and they're being pushed to pick a side, and they're starting to. I don't know where that will leave us going into the next election, but I'll say this. I don't think this is because the Trudeau liberals or the NDP are trying to stake out the high ground morally on this. This is political opportunism and political reaction to political pressure coming from the pro-Palestinian, anti-Israeli, anti-Jewish forces in Canada. And as I say, um, that incident in the Eaton Center, nothing going to happen. If there are any charges laid as a result of 
what we just ran for you there, I'm going to be extremely surprised. I don't think they will do a thing. Their objective was to keep the peace, de-escalate. The peace was kept. The threat was made. Recorded on video in presence of police. But I don't think anything's going to happen. The guy had a mask on. I guess he's just protecting himself from COVID. I don't like what I'm seeing. It's worrisome. To say the least. Don't like that. This is Canada. There are, we, there are better ways to behave here. There's no need for that. You can achieve your political objectives without going down that road. So we've got serious escalation in the Middle East, serious escalation, globally serious escalation across the board. And we need to be very careful. Well, we can't be very careful. All we can do is try to position ourselves to take care of ourselves and our families and our communities if things escalate further and we end up with some sort of a a real kinetic global war. Don't know what else to sell you. Except that, you know, it's uh, the, the PR war because it is being won by the Hamas side because they obviously have, you know, support from outside countries. And it's not, doesn't take much to figure out where that support is coming from. But tonight I want to show you that, you know, a lot of this narrative is being spun up post October 7th. But tonight. just too violent but i will show you this i have the video of this young man being murdered in cold blood on october 7th this is joshua mullel from tanzania he's a student he was killed in israel on october 7th his family was told he had been taken hostage. They were hopeful that they were going to see him alive again. But Joshua, who was working as an agricultural intern at a kibbutz, which was attacked by Hamas on October 7th, was actually murdered, shot many times in cold blood by the Hamas attackers. He was taken hostage, but was killed at the scene. I have the video in the next tab over, but I'm not going to show it to you. It's just too brutal, too, too sickening. I dare not show it to you. I'll show you this image, but I'm not running it as video. I'll show you just to show you that I actually do have the, the footage of the actual killing. And this, folks, is dead real. It is not AI generated. It is not faked. This is 100% absolutely authentic. It is 
too graphic to not be. And as someone who has worked in media all my life and with my extensive background in video production, I can tell you that this is absolutely authentic. I'm not showing you any more than this. That's the young man right there on the ground. Now we can talk about proportionality or whatever you want to talk about, but on October 7th, Hamas, who had long ago declared war on Israel, took the war right to Israel. Make no mistake. And they wanted a war. They got a war. And now all those civilians, they've been sacrificed. In my view. Sacrificed. Death toll now up somewhere around 20,000. It could all come to an end like that if they would release those hostages. And yet we still have somewhere around 100 hostages being held still. So the propagandists can point their fingers at Israel and at the United States and blame, 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 blame. And if you want to buy into that and get out the whip and self-flagellate and flog yourself and, uh, and play the self-blame game and self-destruct too, you're, you know, you're welcome to. But this is a war. And one side has a long history of sacrificing its own people in a variety of ways. I would say what we're witnessing here is just one more example of that. Not to excuse the massive response from Israel. Clearly, in my view, that the whole thing was a trap and a miscalculation. And uh, I, I, I think that Israel has been, was wrong to do it, both strategically and morally. So I'm not defending that either. But I'm not going to sit here and blame one side only for this. And I'm not going to sit here and say that it's up to the United States to secure peace. All they have to do is leave. That's not realistic either. Not when ships from around the world traveling through the Red Sea are being attacked. This is exactly how other wars throughout history have begun. This is the stuff that could take us straight into a full-blown third world war. And we have to stop sitting here blaming ourselves and look at it in a way that allows us to see all sides of this so that we have a balanced perspective on it. And pray. God help us.
Maverick News. The world is watching. The New World Order Government Overreach The Great Reset Mainstream Media Lies Now more than ever Independent voices are needed. Donate now at FreedomReporters.com That's FreedomReporters.com Maverick News The Antivirus Program For Your Mind Pope Francis has come out and says that um, he is going to allow priests to bless same-sex couples with a new document that has been released explaining a radical change in Vatican policy. He says this can happen by insisting that people seeking God's love and mercy shouldn't be subject to an exhaustive moral analysis to receive it, he says. He goes on and says one should not prevent or prohibit the church's closeness to people in every situation in which they might seek God's help through a simple blessing. So this new document from the Vatican's doctrine office says all this, but this shift in policy doesn't change the church's position on gay marriage. So this document goes on to elaborate on a letter that Francis sent uh, to two conservative cardinals that was published back in October. And in that, Francis suggested that these kinds of blessings could be offered under some circumstances if they don't confuse the ritual with the sacrament of marriage. And this new document goes on to reinforce that point of view and then takes it a little bit further, reaffirming that marriage is a lifelong sacrament between a man and a woman. It also goes on to stress that blessings should not be conferred at the same time as a civil union or even with the clothing and gestures that belong in a wedding. However, it says requests for those kinds of blessings should not be denied. It goes on, it offers an extensive definition of the term blessing in scripture to insist that people seeking a transcendent relationship with God and looking for his love and mercy should not be subject to, as I said, in his words, an exhaustive moral analysis as a precondition for receiving it. So he's saying, yeah, I'll, I'll bless same-sex couples, I'll bless them, but it's not a um, an endorsement or an approval of same-sex marriage. He goes on and says, ultimately, a blessing offers people a means to increase their trust in God. And he says, the request for a blessing thus expresses and nurtures openness to the transcendence, mercy, and closeness to God in a thousand concrete circumstances of life, which, in no, which is no small thing in the world in which we live. It is a seed of the Holy Spirit that must be nurtured, not hindered. So he's trying to love everyone, I guess. 
and spread love to everyone and share blessings with everyone without being overly judgmental. So the new document does recognize the deep desire in many Catholic same-sex couples for God's presence and may help in their relationships, according to some priests. So new developments on that front. And I know opinions will be strong in that area as well. What else do we have for you tonight? Um, Motley Crue drummer Tommy Lee has been accused of sexually assaulting a woman in a helicopter. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but um, he's accused of getting into a helicopter with a woman back in 2003. Her name has not been released. She's identified only as Jane Doe. And the pilot was the one who invited her on the, uh, on the trip, invited this woman to go for a ride in this helicopter. Then she gets there. Tommy Lee is part of this. They get in and then they coax her to come up into the front cockpit, cockpit area of the, the helicopter. She, in this lawsuit, says that she felt a lot of pressure to oblige. So she went up. And then he started to grope her and do things that he should not be doing. And I guess she went and did the thing. But now, years later, she is suing him. And so he's going to court. And um, this pilot, I guess, has some... History upon him, uh, which resulted in him losing his pilot's license at some point as well, because his, uh, well, some bad choices that I guess that he made. He has, uh, there was another incident with another woman that the pilot was involved with in the helicopter. So there seems to be a bit of a trend here. So, of course, this all has to be proven in court. We'll see where it goes. But that pilot has, uh, will not be testifying because he passed away back in 2015 in a plane crash. So this woman will, I guess it'll end up to some degree unless she has other evidence. It will be her word against his. Who knows how far that will go in court. And he's not the only celebrity dealing with sex, sex offense allegations. Russell Brand, back in the news again. He's been questioned by police again for the second time in relation to another six allegations of historical sex offenses. 
So an investigation by the Sunday Times, the Times, and uh, Channel 4's dispatches revealed allegations of rape, sexual assaults, and emotional abuse against Russell Brand, who is a comedian and actor and successful online social media influencer. Now, he has strongly denied these claims repeatedly on his program. And now he's facing six more allegations. These things are stacking up. Earlier this month, the Times, Sunday Times, and Channel 4's Dispatches program said four women had accused the comedian actor Brand, 48 years of age, of sexual offenses, including a rape alleged to have taken place between 2006 and 2013. That investigation claimed he had also behaved inappropriately at work and displayed predatory and controlling behavior. Now with these new charges. Some people who have come to Brand's defense following the initial charges say that they were really just, they're really just coming after him because of his political views, but this is quite a few. He has denied serious criminal allegations and said that they were to be made, these were to, to be made against him and said his relationships, all of them, were absolutely always consensual. That's what his position is on it. Well, now he's going to have to deal with it. And I totally get how these kinds of allegations are often used against politicians and people who have a, high, a strong political profile in the public eye. So I will reserve judgment on all of this until we get more facts. Remember the social media platform Parler? The one that was uh, canceled essentially because they had their servers with Amazon and they got shut down because they were obviously very conservative oriented. Dan Bongino was one of the people behind that. And after they were shut down, they struggled. They kind of came back online. And then I think it was Ye, formerly Conway Yest, who ended up buying it. He he had Parler, but it just didn't catch again. They ran into more problems. And even though it did come back online, I had an account there. It wasn't the same. It was never stabilized. So I was never able to really use it again once they finally got it back up and running. Well, now we are seeing that they are going to be bringing it back online just in time for the 2024 election. Here's this report. NBC, this is an exclusive from them. So they are reporting tonight that Parler one of the Trump era social media apps that featured little content moderation, as they say, and became popular among conservatives has been sold again and is planning for a relaunch early next year ahead of 
2024 presidential election. Its new owners said Monday. So this is becoming more of a crowded space, you know, because you have now Gab and Truth Social, MeWe. Twitter, I would say, falls in to this category as well now because it's very much a free speech platform and more conservative oriented, I would say, as a result, with many on the neoliberal woke side leaving the platform because they just don't want to be seen next to all that controversial content. So Ryan Rhodes is the parlors, is the new CEO of Parler, and he says he expects the app to be back online by January 1st with a full relaunch by February. And they have been offline since April. So he says in this statement, our mission is clear to provide a secure and inclusive environment for open dialogue. While not aiming to compete with Truth Social, our monitoring measures are dedicated to keeping harmful content like terrorism, child porn, and trafficking off our platform. So they now have three co-owners. Elise Pirati, a former Parler executive, the new CEO, Ryan Rhodes, and Jacko or Jacob Buyans, an anti-sex trafficking activist. So Pirati says they bought the app on December 15th for an undisclosed sum from Starboard, a digital media company that had purchased Parler in April. And she says she'll return as chief marketing officer with Buyans as chief strategy officer and that Parler will be based in Plano, Texas. And Ye, formerly known as Conway, yes, tried to buy a parlor last year. He is not involved in the new ownership group, but would be welcome as a parlor user, Pirati said. And that will be interesting. I don't know how much space there is for parlor in in the social media sphere now because we're seeing these other platforms well-established. It was always perplexing to me. Parler was doing very well. It was growing and growing and growing. And then when they were taken down, they just couldn't seem to get it back together. I don't know why. seems to me they should have been able to move it over to other servers somehow, but Maybe they didn't have things properly backed up, never expected it to happen. And maybe they were just more in a position where they had to start from scratch and rewrite the code and do the whole thing. I don't know. Maybe they just couldn't gain access to their files on those servers. Just never really understood why they couldn't relaunch. But they're doing it now, just with different people at the helm and different ownership. So I'd say that's a positive thing overall. Good luck to them. And once they get it back up and running, we will definitely be there. 
the sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarmingly, some media in an ocean of lies a century deep, the truth awaits. Choose not the red pill. Choose not the blue pill. For both are an illusion. Discover the power of M. The power of individuality. We are mavericks. We are the way to the light. Fear not the storm. Join our quest for truth. Truth will set you free. Maverick News. The world is watching. Exile The Knights of Malta Maverick News Join us. The world is watching. So we have the first batch of uh, shirts packaged up and ready to ship. And the, we're talking about these Exile, the Knights of Malta shirts. You asked for them. You got them. So anybody that wants any, if there is a donation of $30 or more, I'll send you a free T-shirt. $35 or more, I'll send you a long sleeve T-shirt. $45 or more, and I will send you... One of these Exile and Knights of Malta sweatshirts. If you are not a regular viewer, if you are not sure what we are talking about, Choosy, one of our regulars, one of our knights, Maverick Knights, he inspired these shirts. He has enlightened us on the reality of the Knights of Malta and the corruption that they have injected for a long time into our political system and has alerted us to the infiltration of the Knights of Malta. It's a real thing. They are a real organization. Um, a group of people who elites that enjoy diplomatic immunity, even though they are at, at a place at the United Nations table even though they don't actually have their own physical country. They just have a little piece of land and a building. But they have worldwide influence and are definitely part of our governmental system. And our objective here at Maverick News is to practice journalism in a responsible way and expose the Knights of Malta, and that is to say, in a broad context, expose 
corruption within our system. We are the eyes and ears of the public, and we're focused on our politicians, our bureaucrats, our public officials, all aspects of our system in order to try and restore honesty and integrity. And that's what exiling the Knights of Malta is about. Once exposed, we peacefully will take steps to exile them using a variety of means, including the electoral process and other means, whatever it takes, as long as it's peaceful and legal, and we're going to do it. That's what we do around here. That's our job. So if you want one of those shirts, that's the way to go. And you can donate, support the channel if you like the work we do around here. If you are a regular viewer or even just a sometimes viewer, uh, you can donate at maverickdonations.com or more commonly people donate through freedomreporters.com and if you donate make sure you put a note on there include a note notation just type a little message to me and tell me what size shirt you want and you can have any color you want as long as it's black because we have an extensive color selection of one because black just looks the best and it's the appropriate color and it's a Maverick news color and it's what goes with these shirts. So black it is. And I'm glad to give you that kind of choice. It's the illusion of choice, <laughs> but they're really good shirts. So if you want one, that's how you can do it. Um, and if you need to send me a message at all, just go to the website at mavericnews.ca maverickness.ca uh, there are links there to the donation pages and there's a contact form you can send me messages there online at any time and so the the first batch of these shirts will be going out tomorrow they are all packaged and ready to rock and roll and thank you to those of you who have been supporting the channel and did donate greatly appreciate that now controversy Some people like it. Some people don't. Some people are happy. Some people are sad. Some people have positive take on this thing. Some people not so much. The national anthem, the Canadian national anthem played or performed in Punjabi at a Winnipeg Jets hockey game. Oh, yeah, I know. Um, some people say, what is, what is, what is that all about? Uh, um, why are they doing that? And some people are downright upset about it. So I'm going to run it for you and we can have a discussion about it. And I'm interested to know what your views are on it. And, uh, but before we get to that point, I'm going to show you a bunch of other things that have happened throughout history in Canada and the United States with regard to our national anthems that might help put this in some perspective a few different perspectives on it, really. And um, maybe it'll make you stand back and take another look at this. I don't know. But we'll have a, a healthy discussion on it at the end of this. So here it is. This is the way it went down. Do it on, do it on, do it on. 
So that was on the Omni Network, and uh, that has sparked some interesting comments online. I'm kind of interested in getting your take on this, because I'm seeing a variety of comments surrounding this. And it started off, and just to kind of bring this up too. So these are the guys who were playing the uh, instrumental part. I'll tell you this, they were, I think that they sang that with a lot of passion and they're a lot more patriotic than Justin Trudeau is. Yep. Tell you that. But you know, Canada has, uh, and the United States, actually, we have a long history of, of politicizing our national anthems. And it's been used and abused. <laughs> They've been just, the national anthems, like our flags, have been kicked to the curb, burned, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, and erected to the tops of uh, monuments. I just... I don't know. <laughs> what can I say? Except that the Canadian national anthem, as soon as I saw this and I saw the uh, some people expressing concern about it, it reminded me of when I was a kid, 1979. Roger Doucette, who used to sing the national anthem at the Montreal Canadiens hockey games, changed the lyrics. Now, in that particular case, people lost their minds. They freaked right the freak out because he changed the lyrics. Some people really liked what he did. Other people were like, well, that's so disrespectful. So I thought I'd bring that up and show you how he changed the lyrics. See, the Canadian National Anthem uh, is incredibly repetitive. Oh, Canada, oh, Canada, oh, Canada, oh, Canada, oh, Canada. Yeah, it's just over and over again, the same words. So Doucette changed one of the lines and people lost it. They just absolutely freaking lost it. Hang on, let me bring bring up his clip from 1979. And um, after he did it, there was all this controversy. He came back for take two and did it again <laughs> and kept doing it. And here's the here's the game. 
where he kind of stuck to his guns and did it again. I remember my dad sitting on the edge of his seat waiting to see if he was going to do it again. Everybody was talking about it. It had been on the news. You know, I was I was a hockey kid, so all of my teammates and their families, everybody was talking about this. It was the the big news issue of the of the the week. It was in the news cycle. Everybody was hot under the collar about it, or they were supporting him. And he was idolized by so many people in 1979. Big, big celebrity in himself. He would get, you know, he'd he'd make the hair stand up on the back of your neck just with the the goosebumps that he'd create from his operatic rendition of the Canadian national anthem at the beginning of every Montreal Canadiens home hockey game. People loved Roger Doucette. Anyway, here he is. Two weeks ago tonight, but tonight is the hour of decision. And now here is the hour in the limelight for Roger Doucette. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light What so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming Both brought stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight All the rebels we was were so gallantly and the rockets red glare of us bursting in air gave rule through the night that a flag was held there. All sailors of that star's man called banner yet Wait for it, here it comes. for life and liberty instead of we stand on guard for the, so he just changed the line. 
Well, that was uh, that was Roger Doucet. He's not the only one to take liberties, artistic liberty, with the Canadian national anthem. Um, there was this controversy with the tenors who they changed the lyrics to a Canada at a, a Blue Jays game. This was seven years ago, and they set off a firestorm because they changed it to um, include the line, the, a line they changed to All Lives Matter in support of Black Lives Matter at the time. I can run that for you so that you have reference. Canada, our home and native land, true patriot love in all thy sons command. We're all brothers and sisters. All lives matter to the great. So there was that. Some people didn't like that. And um, so the group had to come and defend themselves. So, you know, you can discuss that too. But that was seven years ago already. Hard to believe it was that long ago. Um, again, not the only time. Um, Jose Feliciano in 1968. He came under huge fire for his ver performance of the Star-Spangled Banner in, a, in his own style, just changing the style. I'll play a little bit of that. I don't know. I'm probably going to get hammered with a copyright on this. I hope not, but I think this is copyrighted. It was released on an album afterward even though it just about ended his career but this is uh, this is what that sounded like Okay, enough of that before I get too hammered on the copyright. Uh, anyway, he bounced back. His career came back. But uh, a lot of radio stations, because he had done that, they saw it as a sign of disrespect for the national anthem, and they wouldn't replay any Jose Feliciano songs at all on the radio for a long time. Some stations just absolutely refused 
1968. So there's just a long history of, uh, you know, the national anthem being, you know, dragged into the middle of political things, which I think is, I, I guess it's inevitable because a national anthem is a, a national symbol, a source of national pride in any nation state is a political entity in itself. So it's bound to be used, whether it's, uh, you know, Colin Kaepernick taking a knee during the national anthem or Jimi Hendrix turning the national anthem into an anthem of protest against, I would say, American, his view is uh, of American imperialism and a warring nation at Woodstock. You can go on and on. And then the question then becomes, when artistic license is taken, what is the message behind that artistry? Is it a protest? Is it patriotism? Is it an expression of love for country? Or is it, in a partic any particular case, a sign of disrespect? Is it blasphemous? I suppose it depends on what the performer or the artist does with it. It's the same as what might be done with a flag. If you take a, an American flag and you paint it on the side of a truck, the use of that symbol, is that respectful? But if you burn it in the street, is that a sign of disrespect? Should that be outlawed? As I listen to those kids sing their hearts out at that hockey game, I got to tell you, man, they seem to do it with some real love. Seemed pretty patriotic to me. And I'll take a whole lot more of that. Sounded very respectful and patriotic to me. Um, and while Canada has two official languages, you know, we have a lot of people sp who speak a lot of other languages. And we've seen the National Anthem in Canada performed in many languages over the years. Um, First Nations languages. We've seen it performed in Spanish. Um, I don't know. Let's uh, let's just leave the my portion of the conversation there. We'll take a quick break. We'll go to the phones. You guys can call in and share your thoughts on this. Um, you know, I, I understand right now that things are kind of at a fever pitch when it comes to issues like immigration because we have the war in the Middle East, we have the war in Ukraine, we're taking in huge numbers of immigrants, record numbers of immigrants, and uh, the country's under a lot of pressure economically as a result. And as I've been saying, diversity is not Canada's strength. I'm not so sure it's the strength of the United States either, but I think diversity is our challenge. The New World Order. Government overreach. The Great Reset. Mainstream media lies. Now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now at freedomreporters.com. That's freedomreporters.com. Maverick News. The antivirus program for your mind. Thank you. 
Jingle bells. Trudeau smells. Biden laid an egg. Klaus Schwab's deal has no appeal. But tomorrow is a brand new day. Hey everyone. Have a merry maverick Christmas. And a magnificent new year. Join the conversation. Call 1-833-975-3733. That's 1-833-975. Free. Speak up. Speak out. Make your voice heard. Maverick News. Fighting for freedom by defending your right to free speech. Be a Maverick. Join us. Okay, I'm back and we are ready to start taking phone calls. Let me get that number up on the screen on a banner. And we'll get that on the screen there as well so that the audio system pumps through. And the number to call tonight to join the conversation is 1-833-975-3733. 1-833-975-FREE. Call now. Call often. And exercise your right to free speech. And our first caller is on the line, and it's the man himself. Here he is. Hello, sir. Woo-wee, Ricky Walker. Let me tell you about the national anthem. You people out there, you know who I'm talking about. You people. Leave the national anthem alone. It's either in French or English. And nothing but. Imagine America. Imagine somebody speaking in uh, Arabic, the U.S. national anthem, thing, singing it at the uh, uh, Super Bowl. Give me a break. That's my opinion. You people out there, you know who I'm talking about. And they ain't on Rumble. They ain't on this site. I guarantee you on that one. So I wonder what Don Cherry really has to say say about it. I don't know. As I haven't seen anything from him on this at this point. Have you? I guess not. And you probably you probably won't because he's got a, a non disclosure whatever right confidential bullshit which probably uh, Sportsnet and CBC and all of them. You can't say his piece. They got a muzzle on him. Yeah, I don't know. So it would yeah, probably, leave it alone. That's yeah. our national anthem. Yeah, I see. No, I, I get here. it. Multiculturalism and, you know, multiculturalism, I get it. But, you know, you want to sing the Canadian national anthem in your country, go home to your own country and sing it. Leave our shit alone. You'll never see me speaking uh, the uh, English version of the uh, East Indian uh, national anthem. So what's your take alone, then, Leo, man? on things like, um, like Jimi Hendrix playing the Star Spangled Banner the way that he did? The way that he did? Brilliant. 
So why you open is the doors that, for a lot of other people. So why is that different? Because it's in English. Actually, there were, no, there, were, there were no lyrics. It was just his guitar. Well, but you know was, what? Instrumentally, you could play it any way you want. Any country could play it instrumentally as long as it sounds the same, right? Like, you can't. He's English. Yeah. He's, a, he, he's English. He's an American boy, Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. And by the way, it was Willie Nelson's birthday last night. He's 90 years old eh? and still yeah. kicking. 90? And he sang the National Anthem. Yeah, 90 years old, man. He had a concert last night. Wow. Well, there, there's an Yeah, well. I, Hope I can do I'll that. I'll tell you. you, you yeah, he played with a lot of different players last night. Uh, Snoop Dogg, uh, Cheryl Crow, fuck all kinds, Rick. Oh. Was actually, and he, did, he didn't miss a beat. He sounds great, looks fantastic at 90. Uh, he's going to outlive the queen if he keeps it up. <laughs> Woody Harrelson was in there. You know, and it's funny, uh, you know, my whole life I was told pot will kill you, pot will make you stupid, pot will do this, pot will do that. Well, the ones that I see living... And I see a lot of people living into their late 80s and, and into their 90s are pot smokers, man. Pot users, which is really, really bizarre. You know, so it was a lie, just like uh, the vid and everything else. The government wants to stuff down your throat. Okay, it's a lie to me. You know, well, I can't wait for New Year's because I'm going to indulge. I'm going to eat brownies and cookies and I'll do a Facebook Live this time. It'll be good. Okay. As for what's going on, what, what's going on in the sewage? I call it not. I call it the sewage canal. By the way, okay. In the Middle East, because mm -hmm. it's sewage. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, here's a scenario for you: false flags. The Chinese ships will be coming through to get their oil, and they'll be attacked. Do you and think the so? Americans will blame it on who? Well, why not? They tried it with the fucking pipeline. And try blaming Russia for it. Why wouldn't they do that? Biden's smart enough to try it. He thinks people ain't going to see through it. Right? And then all hell's going to break loose. I don't... don't mess with China. Yeah. Right? Don't mess with China. They'll jack the price of rice up even more. Fucking paying $28 a bag for rice. 28 bucks a bag? No, it was only... Yeah, it was just 10, 10 pounds. But yeah, it's still yeah, twenty eight bucks a bag. Wow. And that's just plain plain rice. That ain't jasmine or any of that shit. I didn't realize it was that it's expensive. I bought I bought a bag of rice about six months ago. I don't think I paid that much at the time. I think it was like eighteen. But yeah, I, I could depends on the brand and we've had inflation since yeah. then too. So yeah. And it, I did buy it's it on brutal sale. for a bag of rice. Yeah, it's brutal for a bag of rice. You know, I like rice. You know, it's the best thing that ever came out of China was rice. Yeah. For, well, it's a, it's a good, me, right? it's something a good to keep on hand if you're prepping. You know, you can store rice for quite yeah, a while. Yeah, you know, so it's good to do that. 20, 20 pounds of rice goes a long way when you mm -hmm. put water with it. Yeah. Turns into 100 pounds of rice. Yeah. So. It's a good, the, the water weight, right? So yeah, and it'll it'll sustain you. So that's a good good product to yeah, have well, around. Did, did, did you get all your Christmas shopping done? 
I haven't even I haven't done any Christmas shopping. What are you talking about? <laughs> you think uh, I have time to, do you think I have time to 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 do things efficiently? Like, no, man, I'm gonna wait till like Christmas Eve after all the stores are closed, and then I'll have only one option <laughs> shoppers <laughs> drug mart. Come on, Rick. <laughs> or the seven. <laughs> What'd you get me? A bag <laughs> yeah, of Doritos? I got you a bag of Doritos. You didn't for get Christmas? You don't you utilize the internet for Christmas shopping? Not that much. That, no, I again. It's, it's killing small business. Yeah, it's no. killing small business. I I have to say I hate you Christmas know. shopping, man, because I I go down to the store or the stores and I wander around and I look at stuff and I I just I'm I'm terrible at it anymore. I it's just I wander around and look and it's not, it's it's I hate I hate Christmas shopping. I can't figure out what Well, I got out pretty easy this year, eh? Yeah. I gave my credit card to the wife, and she could do all the Christmas shopping she wants. She gave it back to me today, yeah. and I paid it off at the bank. And it was, you know, I'm, I'm expecting probably five or six grand for Christmas, but it wasn't. It was only like 1700 bucks. Mm. I said, well, I'm happy with that. You know, as the kids get older, they see everything's expensive. You know, also in the Christmas gift are my kids' bills, right? Hydro, gas, uh uh, telephone bill, I pay them all for Christmas, right? That's a Christmas gift that both mm -hmm. both of my kids get in the third one in the basement, right? So pay their bills off. Yeah. Keep their heat on. Keep keep their hydro on. That's a gift. Right? And they see yeah. that as soon as they turn into their 20s. It's not like little kids anymore. Hell, and today, my son graduated from grade 12 today. Is that right? Big accomplishment. Wow. Yeah. Big accomplishment. Well, and now he's working full-time at the He's working full time at the missions, starting tomorrow. Excellent. So, that's fantastic. Yeah, he said, "Dad, I, you know what? They, they feed me there, man." I said, "Well, don't ever quit. Keep it part time. You always, you, you'll never go hungry, right? You're Good the cook." Him. Good for him. Is he going to go to college, or yeah. university, or not? Yeah, he wants to take uh, electrical, so industrial electrician. So I said, "Yeah, do it. I'll pay your college. Don't you worry, boy. Get her done." Yeah. Right, good, so I'll get I'll get them into a I'll get them into a shop, right? Uh, and that's where it seems like I seen somebody throw a post up an article. A good friend of mine whose kid just got a degree in uh, uh, what was it? Uh, animation and digital shit, right? Uh, design and all kinds of shit. Yeah. He's got a degree, mm -hmm. and he can't find a he can't find a stinking job. I told my wife, I said, you know, it's really sad. She what? I said that AI is going to take over, yep. and the kid ain't going to find a job. And he went to school, paid all that money. You know, I think you're better off with a trade over here in North America. Absolutely. Right. So, you you, you know, whatever. My my uh, niece's husband is an electrician who out in B.C. in Mission. He's got eight years experience. He opened up his own business. The kid's making a million dollars a year, man. Yeah. With his own business. Then my other nephew, out West, he's uh, cheap metal fourth year and he wants to start his own business so i said that's where it's at is your own business you're your own boss you got nobody telling you what to do mm -hmm. okay uh and you go with the flow you go with the flow of the economy right so get it well it's good absolutely right that's right you know that's what i'm telling my son right so you know he's the one who pointed to uh uh industrial electricians whatever even residential electrician open up your own business when you're done school mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right so yeah, it's good to see them progress. Nothing like me, in in a good way, right? So, you know, 
I'm just blessed. I'm blessed that all three of my kids are not a headache. You know, I was a headache at 18 years old. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I got my grade 12, all right, through the prison system, right? So, you know, my kids never had to experience any of that shit. And it's a good thing, right? So it is what it is. To leave that national anthem alone, that's the only thing we really have in Canada. Okay, well, it really bothered anthem. really bothered me when the government changed the lyrics officially from all thy son's command to all of our right. commands. Yeah. Well, they had no they had no business, but look at the government that changed the lyrics. That was a liberal government. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They also changed uh, uh you know, tampons in the male bathrooms. They're doing all kinds of crazy ass shit, right? And uh, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully uh it gets a lot of shit gets rescinded like day one, like the carbon tax. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things our government's doing, right? So I'm sick and tired of it, Rick. Really I am. Mm-hmm. To the point, you know, uh, Pierre Polyev sent out a message on Sun Sun News, if you look it up, about the uh, confrontation with the police in the Eaton, Eaton Center there. Oh, did he make a statement on that? Okay. Yeah. He made a statement. He said, why aren't these people being arrested? Mm-hmm. You know, you're threatening. You're yes. uttering threats right. to police. Yeah. You, you know, I was in Ottawa. I was at the bridge, and I never once heard anybody threaten any police officer or threaten anybody. While the media get out of here, right? But they weren't saying we're going to kill you. Yeah. Uttering death threats. And the, and the police came in. Well, we know what happened. You've seen it. Horseback trampling people. The old man, because he uh, wasn't wearing his mask and uh, he was parked in the wrong place. They beat him down in the street. The guy's 70 years old. But yet we got these jihadists. And that's what I'm going to call them because that's what you are. When you come to my country and you start uttering death threats, fuck you. Yeah. They should have rounded the fuckers up put them on the first plane back to Gaza. Oh, you can't get into Gaza? Well, that ain't our fucking problem. Throw them out of the plane over top of fucking Gaza. You better identify as a burden and then grow some fucking feathers because you're flying, motherfucker. Right? You start that shit in my country, I got a problem with it. And that's what they're doing. It's only going to get a lot worse before it gets better as he wants to allow, what, a half a million Palestinians into our country? You know, these people are coming here with resentments to begin with, because if you blew up my fucking house, let's say America and with the shoes on the other foot and you blew up my house and killed my family. Believe me, you just made me a fucking a Hamas supporter for the rest of my my days. And that's what's going on. So let's allow these people into our country. Makes me sick. So there's my rant for the day, mister. Okay. All right. Thanks for calling in, Liam. Appreciate it. Have a good day. You too. All right, let's move on. It's Don. And go ahead. Are you there? You Are you talking to me? Yes, I am. Are you talking to me? I'm talking to you. Oh, my God. How you doing, Mr. Maverick? I'm okay. How are you? Not too bad. You know what? I'm hanging in there. So, But, you, however, yeah. the fabric of... The fabric, the fabric, is like disintegrating. You mean the fabric of the nation? The fabric of everything, because they're drawing this down into their their tunnels, their pits. That's what it's coming down to. Okay. Don't go there. We need to. We need to like stay above. 
I got you. I think you're getting a little bit uh, discombobulated because you have the audio up in the background and you have a delay. I think it's kind of confusing oh, you. I'm not getting discombobulated. Hold okay. on. I'll trip that off. But anyway, so... So, Canada is our most favorite neighbor. You know that, right? Yeah. Where are you calling from, by the way? You know, I, you know me. I'm calling from New York State. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted people to know, if case they are not familiar with you. Well. So yeah, just go ahead and 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 wrap up your your thought for us. So we have to get a handle on all our borders, not just yours and not just my, ours, yours too. Don't you think? Sure. Yeah, every nation don't should have think? strong borders. Don't, don't you think? I mean, isn't it getting about ridiculous? Indeed. I would say yes. We definitely okay. need strong Thank borders. You. Yes. I appreciate Thank it you. very much, Don. I love you. Love you too, man. You yes, have a sir. great night, okay? And you call back. You too, All right. Mr. Maverick. I love you. All right. You take care. We'll talk again. <coughs> All right. Who do we have up next here? Go ahead. You're on the air. Are you there? Hang on. Let's do this. There we go. Hello. How are you? Ricky Walker. <laughs> Hello. It's it's, Hello. it's Leo's what twin brother, John. Everybody home. <laughs> How are you? Ricky Walker. <laughs> I don't hear me the first time. <laughs> I like that one. That's a good call, man. <laughs> How are you tonight, John? Yeah, well. It's good to hear from you. Yeah, I sent you a Christmas card. Oh, good. I uh, mailed it out. Mailed it out Sunday night. Uh, I had a nice one with a big Santa Claus face on the front with a big white beard, and I wrote on the beard, uh, "Honk, honk, honk! Merry Christmas, Rick!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Thank and you, I John. stuffed it. There's some stuffing inside for you. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Thank you. There you go. So but, what's, what's on your mind uh, tonight? What are you thinking of all these things that we're talking about? Uh, oh, things. Oh, oh, oil's going up through the roof. I can tell you that much. Yeah. It's already started. It's already started, but yeah. um, that's a main, main artery. Uh, Egypt is really... Uh, stuff you know they make 70 billion dollars a year of their economy using that that strip there you know that and they yeah. closed it off to egypt so egypt they're on the u.s side that's why they closed it off that's right they're gonna they're telling egypt to go screw yourself if you don't want to there's too many lives being lost rick every day if you i don't know what you're watching but if you watch Gaza, it's all rubble, man. They're destroying the place. These people didn't didn't do nothing. Go after him. If you want to go after someone, go after Hamas. 
Why are you killing innocent kids and women and elders? And they're all getting, uh, it's, it makes me sick. Uh, you know, I'm so, like, when you talk, I get so angry at you. You know, I feel like throwing well, something at you. Well, don't, <laughs> just throw it at the screen. It's, it's fine. It doesn't hurt me. Uh, no. I, 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 but the I, reason I why I, 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 I hear you, I'm not, I'm not well, disagreeing that's, that's with that. The place is in rubbles. They're all, they got nowhere to live. They're living in tents under, under a tree. Mm -hmm. it, 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 they got no food. The kids are, it, it, I'm telling you, the wounded, they were shown in the hospital today. How many people are laying on the floor? Some's fake. I can tell some of it is fake. Yep. They had your famous reporter there. You know, the one that, the, the heavy guy there with the arm there. <laughs> He was on today. His, his arm's bandaged up. I don't know. I don't think he got hurt too bad, but uh, he's still reporting. <laughs> and but but I'm telling you, I I, I just don't like the, the the destruction. Innocent people. You know what it is? There's seven million Jews, seven million Palestine in in Israel there, the West Bank, and. They, they need more land. They, they, they're they trying to get them out. That's what they're trying to do. But they won't leave, okay? They'd rather die there. It's their homeland. And they'd ra they rather die there. It's like someone coming to you and bulldozing your house and say, get the hell out there, Rick. We're taking over. How would you like that? You know what I mean? And that's what they're, that's what they're, they're going into the West Bank and they're, they got the bulldozers and they're, and they're just they're just bulldozing the house down and saying get the hell out of here, go somewhere else, right? So twenty percent of the West Bank now, the Jews are living there. They're not supposed to be. That's that's not their land, but they're taking over slowly, slowly. They built a wall and the wall's like ten feet, twenty feet in more. They they they're just I'm telling you. It, and everybody's against them. So, I, you know, like, except for Rick. Rick's not against them. Rick, Rick. <laughs> Who's got a touchdown here? Uh, Eagles. Uh, anyways, Rick, I, I don't like uh, what's going on there. And it pisses me. Those people, they, you could say they were peaceful that you showed. <laughs> they didn't hurt nobody, really. Eh? They just, they just, you know. Which, sorry, off. which people? The uh, the protesters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't, they didn't hurt nobody, but they were they're pissed off because nobody's doing like everybody's against them. You know, not everybody actually. The survey done shows that more people are are with Palestine than with Israel. So uh, nobody likes this war. Put it that way, but. Did you? I sent you a video. I think I posted it online too. Yemen. Did you see all the all the the troops they got there? They got tens of thousands of army guys mm -hmm. standing as far as I can see, like twenty rows wide on either side of the street, going as far. As, they got so many. I'm telling you, I don't know how they're gonna take them out. And, and, and that's just that's just. They got a uh, uh, Ritter. You know, I, I like I like Ritter. If you ever watch Ritter, I 
I, 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 he's got some new videos out, and he, he, he doesn't like Israel. He doesn't like the U.S. Okay, and if you read the comments, everybody likes Ritter because he speaks the truth. Does he? he? He tells it the way it is. Does, does he tell the truth? That's what everybody's saying. Yeah. You read the comments. They're all the comments. I think I sent it to you, a link. Yeah, 100% uh, yeah, truthful. Is, is Scott Ritter's 100% truthful, eh? Well, that's what everybody's saying. And Read the comments. That's what everybody's saying. Mm -hmm. Everybody's saying. They, so you don't think he's, uh, he, you're calling him a liar now, huh? I never said that. Yeah. Well, I think he's one of the most truthful guys out there. He tells it like it is. And uh, anyways, uh, I, 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 I follow, I, you know, I, I shouldn't be following this stuff too so much, you know, but I, I, I don't know. It's, to me, it's, I like, it's like the, the truckers, you know, in Ottawa. I I was glued 24-7 watching everything because I want to see the truth, right? Yeah. And that's where you're going to – the media is not going to tell you the truth, right? CBC is not going to tell you the truth. But when you watch it, you see the truth. I watch the war 24-7, and I see the truth, Rick. These people are getting slaughtered. There's no need – they're, they're, these Jews are running them over with these tanks. They're just, run, they're just crushing them. They, they shoot them, and then they just crush them. I, I seen one the other day. They, they went into, I don't know who did it. They, they said the, the, the mil, uh, Jewish military came in there, and they wiped out all these kids. You could see them on the floor, blood everywhere. They wiped them all out. Now, I didn't see them doing it but that's what they said that some I, I was a lady that was hiding in there and she she testified that the jews did it and that's sickening rick in in the west bank they're they're arresting everybody there and they're shooting innocent kids you know if you're if you just stand it it's like those three guys standing there they just shoot you they don't care who they're cowards the military's cowards. They're cowards. That's what Ritter, Ritter, Ritter said, that they're cowards. The, mil the Israel military, they're cowards. They won't go in there, into the tunnels or anything. They're cowards. You know? They'd rather just blow you up with their planes and tanks. You know? They don't care who you are. But, anyways, there's good and bad on both sides. But I don't like the innocent people dying. I don't like innocent people dying either, John. No, I so, don't. But you know that, what else I don't that, like? You know what else I don't really like? I don't like liars. I'm not 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 talking about. I you. don't either. I don't like liars. Like like that uh, that uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy from uh, the the Israel, the Jew boy there, whatever his name is, Yahoo. <laughs> the guys lied so many. All those Jews have mm -hmm. lied so many times. Why do you like them? They're, if you don't like liars, they're the first ones. Don't like, uh, you know, they lie on both sides. The Pope lies. Everybody lies. I, I understand that, but I don't know. It's, uh, yeah. 
Look at this. Donor from the richest zip codes in America are throwing their support behind Biden. I don't know why people want to. This guy is senile. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it, man. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get Biden Funny world, either. Eh? Did you know that uh, with regard to Yemen, that Joe Biden, when he yeah. came into office, um, discontinued support for Saudi opposition to the uh, Yemen rebels? That was in, I believe, 2021. And that is in direct contradiction to what U.S. policy had been over there for a long time. And what, what are we seeing now? We're seeing um, drone attacks against ships in the Red Sea launched by the Houthi rebels out of Yemen. It makes me kind of wonder yeah. what side Joe Biden is on. And while all this is going on, causing all this disruption, I would say that that might just be a direct result of Joe Biden's foreign policy. And who does that benefit? It doesn't benefit the United States doesn't benefit NATO, doesn't benefit international stability. You know, there's a lot going on that uh, over there in the Middle East, in the Israel-Palestine conflict and in Yemen and in all of these countries that uh, most people just are not clued into because there are some real subtleties going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And I don't think that Biden is acting in the national interests of the United States or in the interests of global stability, honestly. Seems almost like he's working for the other side. Well, I don't see that, but I, 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 I see the religion. They want to wipe out mm -hmm. the Muslim people. They want to wipe that race out. It's to me, that, and it's, you know, it's in the Bible. That's where the war is going to start, the, uh, in the Red Sea there. But, you know, it's, it's going to happen probably this year before the end of the year. The, the the conflict there is going to happen, you know. Like they're already moving all these big ships in there, right? The uh, uh, England, uh, uh, U.S. The, they, yes. They've got all the, these big ships in there already, ready to go. Yep. So, but if that video I sent you, if you see all the troops Yemen's got, I've never seen so many army soldiers, man. Like. I never knew that he had that many. That's a lot of soldiers. A lot of a, that's a lot of soldiers and a pretty big military for a country that is so impoverished. Yeah. And for people who are yeah. starving to death, they're exactly. putting a lot of money into their military, aren't they? While people are starving yep. to death. But the, there's a reason for it. Yeah, because they're opposed and, to and the United to States imperialism and they don't like capitalism. That's why. You know, you know who's going to end up smiling after all this is probably Putin when, when the U.S. gets wiped out. You don't say. They don't stand a chance. <laughs> yeah. According to Ritter, they don't stand a chance mm -hmm. against Hamas and the, these uh, Yemen there. They don't stand a chance. That's what he said. I don't think we stand a chance. Iran. We, Iran. Would, we wouldn't stand a chance against a bunch of Cub Scouts with Biden at the helm. So, <laughs> yeah. Somebody was telling me, like like the Turks, for instance, right? 
They're in NATO, but they'll turn on NATO like a, like in a dime, okay? Yeah. And all, all these Arabs and everything, they, they are vicious. That's what the guy was telling me. That That's right. These guys are vicious. They are indeed. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, yeah. Just like that video you played. They're mm -hmm. vicious. And you're going to mess with them, they'll carve you a new one. I'm telling you. So, if the if Joe Biden was smart, he would stop funding Israel and say enough is enough. We're not giving you no more parts. We're not giving you no more bullets. We're we're st we're, we're stopping this. This has got to end. It, it's been going on too long. There's too many deaths. The, the, the conflict is getting high. It's it's got it's got to get resolved a different way. And mm -hmm. the Jews won't take that. They they want every they want them out of there they don't want them there they what what does what die. does hamas want what does the other side want they're not leaving yeah he but was what, on what, today. What, what do they want they want the war to stop number do one they? do they want the no war more to stop? war do they want the war to stop they want the war to yep and you know what else they want no they don't they want their they want their own borders they don't want israel uh, telling them what to do, locking them up, going into Gaza like like they own the place. They want they want their own. It's it's like. See, the how would you like it if the? I think the problem, John, is that I don't think that the the the, the I don't think Hamas has stated they don't want the war to end. They they're not going to give up until Israel is gone. That's what that whole chant is. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. That means they want to wipe Israel off the map. Well, if that's the case... And it's right in their charter. They've stated that get publicly. Get rid of both that's of them, and that's the end of it. Sorry, that? <laughs> Just drop, drop a bomb right in, right in Israel and wipe them all out. What can I tell you? But, you know, if that's the case, but what I'm hearing from... Everybody that, that I'm watching is they want Israel to, to, to not be part of Israel. They want their own country. They want to control it, their own government. They want to control it. They don't want Israel. Right now, do you see, do you see, do you see what's going on in the West Bank? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you watch the West Bank at all. They, they come in there with bulldozers, cops. Uh, military, and they're just shooting everybody, arresting innocent people, and, and then they demolish your house down. What right does Israel got to go in there? Tell me. It's like it's like we, we live in Canada. How would you like it if the U.S. came over here and started bombing us and shooting everybody and demolishing our house and taking over the land? Would well, you like I'm, that? I'm not, I'm not sitting here trying to defend everything that Israel has done, but Hamas yeah. has declared war on Israel. So there's a war. That's on. right. So they're at war. That's and, why they're and, in there. And you know why? You know why they did, they did this? Mm -hmm. They did it because they have no freedom where they live. It's all controlled by the Israel. They, they got in Gaza, they're putting cameras like six cameras on every corner of the street you know face recognition license plate it's like ai they got ai everywhere 
they know who you are, where you're going, they know everything about it's like they're being monitored. Uh, and now they're, they're all being arrested. Like all these people that, and, and they, they get treated like dirt. The Jews arrested little kids and, and they starve them and they treat them like dirt. Do you think it's, do you think Israel's created a, a, any war crimes or no? Or you think they're, they're, uh, you know, look, look what they're doing, Chris, uh, Chris, talking to a friend of mine. Anyhow. Yeah, no, there's no question I'm in my mind there have, been, there have been crimes committed on both sides. That's true. Mm-hmm. I, I say that same thing, but mm-hmm. uh, I think Israel's gone too far. How many deaths is enough? How many deaths is enough? The, okay, so the 1,200 guys killed on October 7th, but a lot of them were killed by the uh, Israeli police or military. Well, so certain social media influencers would have us believe. Well, you don't know the truth. Do you? Unless unless you were there. Do you want me to show you? I I can't show you the video that I have queued up here, John, because it's it's too graphic. Yeah, but do you see? So you're telling me no military, Israel military. I'm telling you that I'm tired of the BS. I'm tired of the propaganda. They were shooting people. They they were thinking they were Palestinians, wherever they are. Okay, they were killing Jews, their own people, because they didn't know who the fuck they were. Yeah, and they were just shooting everybody. They did kill three people that were their own people who were hostages who were wandering around. October 7th, they did the same thing. They did the same Mm -hmm. thing October 7th. The military were were shooting everybody. They didn't know who they were. So you're telling me that so you're telling me that the Israeli forces went in there and shot all their own yep. people, like they took they just a lot of them. They did a lot, a lot yeah, of their own yeah. people on October seventh, right? They did, yeah, because okay. they didn't know who they were. Because they this didn't is, know who they were. This is coming from the mouth. Of, this is coming from the mouth of people that were there. Yeah. That's where I'm getting it from. I'm not. I'm not making it up. No, I know where you're anyways, getting it from, and I'm seeing the same stuff, and I'm not buying it. Okay, Sorry. I'm not. I'm. Twelve hundred. Twelve hundred. The Israeli military versus, did not go uh, in there and kill twelve hundred of their own people on October the seventh. No, no, they never killed twelve hundred, but they did kill their own people. Not, not, not that many. No, 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 but they did kill kill their own people. Because they didn't know who they were. They didn't know if they were the good guys or the bad guys. So they were just shooting them. But how many deaths in... Uh, don't you think... Don't you think it's... Uh, you know, like... You got revenge. How many do you have to kill? You know? Anyways. They're gonna... It's okay. It gives you something to do all day long. Watch this war. <laughs> oh man, it's well, not easy, it's, is it? It's um, it's a very polarizing thing, and yeah. uh, and it's difficult to know what the truth is because of everything yeah. we were talking about on the oh, show yeah. last night with artificial intelligence, yeah. video production, actors, propagandists, online social media influencers, some of whom, honestly, John, are paid to be mouthpieces for 
um, opposing nation states and um, and they're just outright lying to us, some of these people. And uh, so I, with, with that in mind, I am extremely careful about what I take as truth. Yeah, someone's saying, has, have the hostages been returned? No, they, they just want free all hostages and end the war, that's all. Uh, what's wrong with that, Rick? What's wrong with saying, let's free all the hostages and end the war? Well, that's all Hamas she has can. to do. If Hamas and, no, and but, Israel has said that, but, if they, if Israel, if if Hamas releases the hostages and they stop fighting, it's over. And Hamas hasn't done that. You think? You think Israel will do that? Israel has said no. that they will do that. They've said it said many times. I've run clips of them well, on here saying exactly that on this show. That's all Hamas has to do: just release the hostages, stop fighting. It ends. And give themselves up. No, just it just ends. Yeah. It ends. Uh, 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 Israel says they're going to go in there and police the fucking Gaza. They're going to police Gaza, just like they're doing in the West Bank. They, they, stated, to, they stated tonight that Israel will yeah. not occupy Gaza. He stated it again tonight in that news conference that I ran earlier in this broadcast. Oh, good. And the United States That's has you. stated that as well, that that will not happen. So release the hostages, stop fighting. It comes to an end. Israel will not occupy Gaza. The, the, the homes will be returned to the people. Then we can start talking about rebuilding and we can start talking about international aid and reparations and making things right in there for people and, and, and focus on getting people back to, to, to living instead of freaking dying. But if that's yep, all, that's all I that has agree. to happen. Release the hostages. Stop fighting. Uh, it's not that simple. You release the hostages. Israel Israel's going to go in there because they want to get to get every Hamas. They want the revenge on Hamas. They're not going to stop unless Hamas comes out and gives. And on the other up. side, they're saying that they don't want a ceasefire because Hamas has one objective, and we've heard those assertions again tonight that. They want to wipe Israel off the map. So here we are at, at right back where we started, right? And that's not me, and that's yeah. not you. That's going on over there, and I wish there was a solution. It's out of my hands. I'm just a messenger, and a lot of people want to shoot me because of it, but um, it's not my war, and <laughs> I just, I'm just i just an observer like everyone else, and I offer my assessment. That's all I can do, and I just pray for peace. I don't know how to get there, John, because neither side trusts the other, and each side wants to wipe the other side out. They both want to wipe each other out, and that's not a path to peace. So until we get to a better place, it's going to continue. I don't know what else to say. And that's I, not between I, I, I you and I. Like them, I, just, I just don't like them wiping out the innocent people. That's me all. Me either. I don't that, like it either. Really I'm with you on that. And they went, they've gone too really far. Should, they shouldn't have ever gone that far. Shouldn't have done that. Should stop doing that. And, uh, and it hasn't done them any good because they're losing in the court of public opinion as a result of having done that. It was a mistake. It's a trap. It was, it was a stupid thing to do. I understand why he's doing it. I don't agree with it. It's not the right approach. I'm with you 100% on that. But this uh, Yemen is going to get ugly, I'm telling you right now. Yep. And that's the other thing. But Yemen is an extension of all of this. And that's that's yeah. really closer to the truth. What's going on also in 
you know, in the Israel Hamas conflict, it's not just about that. This is about geopolitical politics. This is about external nation states like Iran, like Russia, like China, putting support in from behind quietly and sometimes saying one thing publicly while doing something else completely different behind the scenes to support the the conflict from the anti-U.S. side. Make no mistake about it. That is what is going on. So it's not just about that conflict. That's the other thing that is one of the reasons why it continues to to, to drag on the way that it is. Because there are other countries well, the on both sides and they don't want this thing to end. They want it to escalate. They want to put the U.S. into a into a bad position where they've got multiple fronts that they're trying to manage in Ukraine, in China, with Taiwan, in the Middle East with with you know, Israel and now with Yemen and they've got this complicated situation in the, in the Middle East and it's all getting out of hand and they're trying to get it to a place where the United States is is completely destabilized. We're destabilized and demoralized at home. The whole country is off kilter. We just came through the pandemic. We've got massive inflation running out of control. The whole thing in Ukraine was a miscalculation. And now we're paying the price because they're pushing back on all these other fronts. And we are in a third world war. And the other side, I totally get yep. what they're doing. And that's the reality of it. These conflicts should not be seen through the lens of you know localized conflicts. You have to look at the big picture and how these other nation states are playing into this and where the alliances are being drawn. And you can see very clear now, as this thing evolves, these countries are coming down on one side or the other, and the battle lines are more clearly being defined now. That's what's happening. Yes. And you know who I think has got it right? Mm -hmm. um, who's that guy that ran for mayor for Toronto? That truck, uh, what's his name? Uh, he's, Chris uh, Sky. What's his name? Sky. Did you see the interview that he did? And he 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 told you exactly how it was was gonna work out everything, huh? Did he? See, did you watch that again? I I, I watched it two or three times. That mm -hmm. guy is right on the money, and everything is is falling the way he says, and that's what's gonna happen. The Israel. They're trying to drag the U.S. into it and NATO into it to start a, a war with the Muslims. They want they want to wipe out the Muslims. W watch that again. I'm telling you that that guy is right on the money. That guy's right on the money. Like is he? Yeah. Like him or not, he's on the money. You know, and it's and it's working out exactly the way he said two months ago. Well, it's, it's working out that way. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Might be a little bit more you to the story. With him, didn't you? I've oh, seen, yeah, actually, I've you seen... played it. On, you, you played it on this show, but then mm -hmm. I I went and watched the whole interview. You didn't play the whole interview, but okay. Yeah, you played it on this show. Mm. Yeah, you played it on there, mm. and and I I went back and found it and watched the whole thing, and he 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 tells exactly what's going to happen, and it's happening that way. It's working. Right now, it's it's working out exactly the way he... And he, he like he said, they want to wipe out the Muslims, man. They want to wipe them out. That's Iran, Iraq, all those people, everybody there. They're not going to wipe out the Muslims. They can't wipe out the Muslims. There are way too many of them. You, you're not going to wipe them out. Can't wipe out those well, guys. You can, even if you take half of them, you know? <laughs> you got oh someone God. else on the line or 
Oh, probably. I don't, I don't want to be. Yeah, crucif- got, I don't want to be yeah. crucified. Take the walk. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice, nice talking to you. And- it's always a pleasure, John. I, I love you, man. Thank you. Appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, me too. Hey, oh yeah, one more thing. I, yeah. I, 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 I put a little note in there that I'm looking for the classic uh, multimedia shirt. Two of them I want. Oh, okay. All right. You don't have them, do you? Yeah, I think the so. Extra yeah. double X. Yeah. I oh, you so. have them? Yeah. The, cl- the classic ones, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, okay, I'll send you a check. Mm-hmm. How, mu- how much? How much are they? What do you want? The t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies? Mm-hmm. I got hoodies. T-shirts. I, I I I like I don't like being too hot. <laughs> <laughs> you are hot though. Man. Uh, You're a smoker. I, I I don't I don't wear. I got so many hoodies and everything, but I never wear them. It's just too hot. Yeah. So two you double know? X large I, I, I t-shirts. Double X. How many you got? Two? I don't know. I probably have a couple. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In. Yeah, How much each? Just send How me whatever you want, John. You're you're a, you're a good guy. No, 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 no. What are they going for? What are they going for? Thirty. I'll send you extra, donation right? of thirty bucks for for each shirt. That's okay. What I'm I'll send for. you hundred bucks. Okay. Hey, that's for two. Super generous. I'll send you a check in the mail. Uh, I don't know if you're going to get it for. I'm in no rush. Okay. I still got the other one I bought off you. It's it's it, it fits. Fits perfect, but I like them loose. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll set you up. Thank so you, I'll sir. Send you, uh, you got them as long as you got. Them. I don't want that Malta one. I don't want that one. It's too, it's too flashy. I I just like plain little logo gotcha. there. You know, I don't care if there's a big logo on the back. I you know you wear a coat, yep. you don't sees it. But thank you, Rick. Gotcha. Thank Merry you, Christmas. If I don't talk to you again. Oh, yeah, I'm sure we will. We'll be we'll be around. Thank you. Love okay. you. See you. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Listen. love you too. Bye. I love uh, Here's Tom. Hello, Tom. Is it Tom? Hello. No. Oh, it's Palm. Hello. Hello, Palm. It's Dom Palm. Hello. Well, I just wanted to say, how are you, Richard? That last call, I could see your facial expressions because <laughs> I was, was cooking. And um, I saw you, but I have the computer in the kitchen, and um, and I could see you were getting a little upset, and I no. I can see why. I mean, Johnny Johnny doesn't really have the big picture on things. I don't think, and and he's very loyal to what he believes and what his mm. convictions are, but needs to do a little bit more of a, a of exploration. Well. Everybody has strong views on this, and uh, yes, and well, I, I, understand. Have, I have a strong view. I have a strong view right now, and it's about our national anthem. Mm-hmm. And 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 I thought, oh, it's very lovely that someone's singing it in another language in another country, but it it's a matter or at a game or whatever it was. I was cooking, so I didn't watch the whole details to that at the time when you add it but the matter is is that um i when pierre elliott trudeau or trudeau was in he he wanted to he changed the national anthem but he also wanted to take the word god out of it and i was young at the time and my parents were well one of my parents was absolutely disgusted at that and the majority of the Canadians stood up and said, no way. And, uh, and then now I think, 
when they're singing these anthems in foreign languages that we can't understand, we don't know what they're saying. That's true enough. I don't understand Punjabi. No, and I don't see that. I'm assuming it was the lyrics as currently accepted in, in Punjabi, but I don't know. We don't know. And then the other thing is, didn't did little Pierre Elliott Trudeau's alleged son, Justinian, in some call him Castro, Justinian, didn't he didn't he uh, want to um, do, make us a post-nation? He announced once that we were a post-nation, the world's post first post-nation state. He did indeed. Well, so then, well, that's what got me thinking on this. But anyways, I'll, I'll leave that at that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just thought that, that it, it's all a bit odd. Yeah, you know, like I watched those kids singing that and I thought, man, those kids sang their hearts out and did such a great job. Um, and they and it, they sang it with enthusiasm, I would say patriotism, um, pride. I agree. And, and that I liked. I liked that a lot. I understand the perspective that we have two national languages and people would like to hear the, uh, like, the national anthem uh, performed at public events like hockey games in one or either or both of the official languages. At the same time, I understand that we have a country that has embraced multiculturalism and diversity, whether we like it or not. And so you've got these, you know, cheerful, happy, rambunctious, patriotic kids who um, are just down there singing their hearts out. And I don't want to be a guy who walks up to them and say, why didn't you sing that in English? And I can understand. Like, I'm not going to be that guy. I just like, I, I, you know, it's like, what do you, who wants to go? Well, well you know, I, I, I would, I would be kids? that guy, no. except I'm a girl, but I would say this to them, Sir Richard. I would say, I would say, uh, well, it is a Canadian, and we do have two languages now. It used to be only one official language, which was English, but now we have two. How many more languages are we going to have as official languages? 30, 50, 100? You know, yeah, I would say, well, look, if you're going to be representing this country in another nation, then and you are a Canadian citizen, then sing it in one of those two languages. Decide which one. Well, that's the uh, the dilemma or the the challenge for Canadian society, isn't it? Because um, I think that's that's a, a thing that is missing in our society is nas- a national pride is a glue that holds a country together, and you get that through things like language, strong borders, culture, right? It's difficult to define a nation or bring a nation together in a cohesive manner when you have, I guess, officially two languages, but you have all kinds of different languages actually now being used on a daily basis in our society. I mean, at least a half a million people speak Punjabi and use that as their primary language in this country right now, today. 
I've worked, I've, I've worked with Punjabis before, yeah. and and um, and and they weren't too nice. They actually treated me like I was a peon. I'll have to tell you that. Mm-hmm. And um, but anyways, uh, they they do. I mean, some were nice. I went to school with some that were young, and I I absolutely adored them. But boy, when you get working for some, uh, it's been my experience and in business in dealing with them. Uh, it's a whole different ball game. They don't have the same respect. I mean, there are some very lovely ones too. They really are, and they tell you what what their families believe, and they don't agree with it. And and I think that you know, if, if they're second generation or, or, or first generation or whatever, they 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 it, things differ between the generations, and they sort of adapt, you know. But um. If they don't adapt, this creates a, a large problem because they just keep sticking with their own kind and they're not assimilating, and that creates a problem in itself. And that's oh, why I, we're seeing... Uh, oh. Today I saw a Palestinian supporters protesting in a mall somewhere in the U.S. on Rumble, and there were two little children with their mother getting the, their picture taken with Santa, which I don't support Santa Claus. But anyways, they were get just two little innocent babies, under under six or eight, seven or years old. And they were getting their picture taken. And then all of a sudden, these noisy protesters came up and started yelling aggressively. And the children got scared. It was terrible to see. Absolutely awful. Mm-hmm. And And... We don't have enough military or police backed by laws to the, to give them authority to go in and, and protect the people that have don't that have been taxpayers for generations and generations in our, in our countries, the U.S. and Canada. And all of a sudden, all these new people are coming in and say, "Oh, it's going to be this way, and you're going to have to listen to us or else." And this is what we're going to do. You, we're going to terrify you, and that's exactly what is happening right now. And it's not—it's not right. I don't know. I was so so disheartened when I saw that those two children in the mall, and they were so scared. Yeah. Are you there? Well, I'm here. I'm just—I'm listening and. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, Pam. I just know and Johnny that... boy keeps thinking. Johnny boy keeps thinking the Hamas is great. Well, you know, there's propaganda. There's two sides to every story. There's CGI. There's fake news. There's deep state. Every deep state has a media. This mainstream media. And that's what we're seeing, Johnny. And even though you're watching Scott Ritter, Johnny, you know, I mean, there's two sides to every story. It's not all just one-sided. And uh, uh, by the way, here's my, oh, I'm ranting now. I'm on a rumble rant. I'm on a rumble rant. <laughs> here's my number. Yeah. I am. And so, so now you look at, we're living in the year 2023. What does that represent? Who was born? 2,023 years ago, it might be off a year or two, but who was born 
Why is that so significant? Why is this 2023? That's pretty significant. Think about it, Carlos. Think about it. Really think about it. Mm -hmm. It was Jesus Christ. And this is what Chris was part of it's pagan and one of my ancestors changed it but and i know i can't help where i come from but anyways so it was jesus christ born around this time 2023 years ago and so this is the time now to just relax and to think about positive things it's going to yes it's going to be difficult it's going to be tough and you just have to pray and get through it and look for solutions instead of getting all caught up in this worldly stuff because we are only here in a, in, 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 temporarily. This is it. We have a soul, we have a spirit, and we have a physical body. And you're not going to stay here forever. And so just rejoice. Rejoice, not just in this season, but rejoice in everything that that you are blessed with. Good advice. And that's what we need to do right now. It's Christmas. We're just about. And and and, and things things will get no matter how things hard will get. Okay. Prepare yourself. Take 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 measure measures to have you know, some food on hand, most importantly, water. You can go three weeks without food, if not longer, a little bit longer, depending on your health. But you can, but you've got to have water. And if you don't, your muscles will cramp up. Your heart is a muscle. Think about that. And you've got to say, I you know what I do, Sir Richard. Oh, I want to sound like Leo now. I want to go, woo-wee! So, Richard, <laughs> I had too many rumbles. I've had too many rumbles. I've had too many rumbles today. <laughs> but, but, you know, you, you just have to just make measures. I mean, even in the Bible, it says that. And by the way, back to my 2023 situation. Well, where was Jesus born? Was he born in in Palestine? No, he was born in Israel. Johnny, is, I see online on Rumble, oh, and other channels, and they say, oh, Israel's only, they just created it in, in you know, 1917. Well, yes, things were changed in 1917, but, and I understand the banking system and the foreign affairs and the Rothschild. I get all that. I've done a lot of research on them. I even have been doing their genealogy. But the main thing is, Israel was where he was born. And that was, did exist. And if you ever, any of your listeners, ever go and look at old Bibles and look at that, or even modern ones, under, it, it, it's there. That land has been around. It's not going to go away until God wants it to go away. It's not. It's it's going to stay. No one can destroy it because the Battle of Armageddon will finally come to that location. But we're not at that point right now. And if anyone understands the scriptures, they can see we're not at that point right now. We're leading up to it, yes, but we're not at that point right now. And it could be years away. So just go out and rejoice. 
and praise God, because that's what people have forgotten to do. That's why this world is in such a, I'm going to say it, I won't say the F-U word, but I'll say, that's why this world is in such a frigging mess. Yes. All you have to do is just turn off the internet, disengage, go outside, go for a walk, touch a tree, feel the wind on your face, look up at the blue sky, take in a little sun, or even just go for a walk around the block in the, in the dark. And uh, we, don't, we don't get that. Sir Richard, we don't get blue skies at this time of year where we are. Yeah, gray skies. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, here. Yeah, it was rainy here. But you know what? I go, I go swimming, and oh, that's a lot of fun. And and I even go in the kiddie pool, and they have a a lazy river, and and you just get a little floaty device, and it swirls you around, and you just and then I go in the hot tub, and they have all these jets, and oh, it's just wonderful, and it relieves all the muscle aches when you get in those jets, and there's so many things with that we have to de-stress and just take time to de-stress. Take time for yourself. You've got to de-stress not only the mind, but also the body. Yep. Just disengage for a bit. Reset. Stay grounded. Yes. Eat a few rumbles and you'll feel better. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And with that, we will wrap up for tonight. Thank you, Pam. All right, darling. Take care. Yes, you too. Thank you for calling. Appreciate it. See ya. And folks, that will wrap it up for tonight. So let me just uh, end the session here. There we go. So I will do my best to be back here tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And once again, he is scheduled. Sean Buckley from the National Citizens Inquiry is supposed to join us on the program tomorrow night. So hopefully it works out this time. Um, We had him queued up there about a a little over a week ago and couldn't make that happen. But he is scheduled for tomorrow night. So we will get the rundown on the final report of the National Citizens Inquiry into the government's response to the pandemic. All that happening right here on the Maverick News Channel tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I'll see all you guys then on the flip side. This has been a Maverick Multimedia Productions.